Startups, startups of the week. Soon we'll be raising another round. <laughs> the startups. Are we going to have a musical component as well? It's going to be the very first singing podcast. And the Owen History button? Can we, can we get this all in one podcast? I feel like we can only have one of the two. Otherwise, the show would be a bit gimmicky. Owen History button activated. Hey guys, welcome to Startups of the Week Season 3. I'm Sophia Kanthara, and I'm here with Owen Thomas. Hey. And Alex Wilhelm. Hey guys. And this week we'll tell you about a company that's looking to bring electric school buses to North America, a startup that was acquired and is now pausing service, and a company that you've probably called for a late night food delivery. That's all coming up on Startups of the Week. First up, we've got Proterra, which is in the news this week because they just got a new round of funding at $155 million, which was led by Daimler and Tau Capital Partners. Um, and kind of accompanying that news, they announced that they're partnering with Daimler to experiment on some of their heb- Daimler's heavy-duty vehicles, um, including school buses. That's what they're looking at first, to bring their electric, you know, um, their, their technology to couple it with their vehicles to bring school buses to North America. Wow. So, mm-hmm. Alex, this sounds like a uh, kind of a corporate strategic round. Is that uh, how you're... Yeah, it really does. I mean, I can't recall the last time I've seen Daimler inside of a venture round. It, actually, it may be never. How about... And so to see this... How about Tesla? Do you... Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's Wave... fascinating because Tesla is also getting heavy trucks. Owen oh, history button activated. <laughs> What the heck is going on? Way back when uh, Tesla uh, got an investment from Daimler at a time when they really needed it. Um, and for a while, I believe Tesla supplied uh, Daimler with electric drivetrains. So this is not uh, Daimler's okay. first kind of dive into uh, you know, an electric startup. But um, what I like about Proterra is they're very focused. You know, you've got a lot of kind of um, electric self-driving startups. They're kind of trying to do everything um, you know, everything on the planet, Proterra is buses. Is that, mm-hmm. uh, Sophia, is that your understanding of, of what they're about? Yeah, so buses. And this kind of partnership is the third of its kind within the past year about. Um, back in July, I believe, they, they were partnering with another company to do electric double-decker buses. Ooh, that um, sounds cool. Yeah, and then about, Just- like, last... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> are, are the batteries like, you know, in between floors of the double-decker bus? <laughs> I'm not sure. That would cause it to tip over. <laughs> you know, so I don't think you want to have the center of gravity up that high. But they also worked with uh, uh, Van Hool, uh, right? Yep, uh, a Belgian company um, to do like motor coach buses. This is um, why I podcast and do not design electric school buses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I don't think they would be structurally sound. But I mean, for Proterra, that is an amazing run of partnerships. I've heard of Van Hool. I've definitely heard of Daimler. So to pick up $155 million and three big partners, they have to be sitting pretty happy, I think. Right, Owen? Yeah, the, this is an interesting company. They started out in South Carolina, but moved to Burlingame uh, fairly recently. Um, to kind of be in the heart of things, get that you know hardware and software talent. There's a lot of talent that has migrated to Silicon Valley, largely because of Tesla. Um, that you know, mm, interesting. That, you know, if you want like an electric drive chain expert, 
I think these days you're as likely to go to Palo Alto as um, as you are to Auburn Hills, Michigan. I wonder what they're going to be able to do in terms of commercial deployment and how soon these deals that we've now... This is not the first time Brotera has come up on the show, by the way. This is, I think, the second time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, I'm curious when we're going to see some actual wheels and, and, you know, you know, on the tarmac, as it were, because this is all well and good. But as we all know, hardware is hard and shipped stuff is much more real than, uh, than partnerships on paper. So I'm curious what the countdown time is until we get to kind of uh, go for a test drive, I suppose. Sophia, did the company give any indication of when we'll actually see these buses in, in operation? Um, no, they did not. They just said that, you know, this partnership is happening. We don't know exactly. And, you know, when they put out their announcement, they said that we're, they're exploring it. Okay. They didn't give any sort of like, you know, timeline for when we can expect to see it. But they did mention, you know, school buses seemed like a really good route to go for, you know, um, because they follow a kind of, like a route every single day you go yeah, from point a to point b you pick up the kids you can expect like what the route will be every single day and, and, they, and they're stationed mm-hmm. um, at the school or at a garage for most of the day so they're easy to charge yep so. oh good point i hadn't thought of that owen yeah huh so these are kind of like almost like perfectly designed for what they can build okay that makes a lot more sense to me because i wasn't really sure if they were too heavy for batteries because you know think about teslas right they're often kind of light quick things Buses are the opposite. Mm-hmm. Buses are these big, lumbering, you know, like people movers. Um, so I guess that makes a lot more sense that they can charge them up that frequently. Okay. I'm now officially a Proterra onboard person. <laughs> I get it. We're glad you're on board. And it sounds like the wheels are turning on, yeah. uh, like on these <laughs> deals. Please. I can't, I can't take puns this late at night. Owen, you're killing me. All right, Sophie. Who uh, do we have up next? So up next, we've got Bloom Dot, which is a flower delivery, delivery uh, service. Oh, wait. I've heard about this company. This company screwed up one of my reporters Valentine's Day. <laughs> it was a tragic tale. Like and a flower Ooh, company are you tell us? a flower yes, company, the one tell. thing you don't want to screw up is Valentine's Day, right? Uh that seems to be the day <laughs> that everyone seems to be sending flowers. So, so now what happened to Bloom that uh, since then? They, uh, are, they're they not independent anymore, I take it. No. So earlier this year, they were acquired by FD, FTD companies, which um, you might not have heard of FTD, but they own like brands like ProFlowers, some of the gifting and flower companies. Um, so this seems like a natural kind of acquisition or an, a company that they naturally be attracted to, to acquire. Um, so they were acquired back in, I think, January. But um, earlier this month, they announced that they're, that, or Bloom that announced that they are pausing their service um, to kind of figure out how to best integrate into FTD. Um, so all orders, I guess, actually, the 28th is the last day that you can place an order. Okay, so by the that. time you hear this, uh, Bloom That orders will be uh, will be over and done. Mm-hmm. It struck me at the time that when I looked at Bloom That's model, they were really trying to handle everything, you know, all the logistics around delivery. And, and there's a big infrastructure. You know, there are flower markets. There are, um, you know, there are uh, retail stores that you can leverage. And that's what FTB, FTD mostly does. FTD is an order taker, and they dole out the orders to local stores that actually handle putting the bouquet together, handling the delivery. Bloom that was trying to take on a lot of that by itself. And I I think that uh, startups like Bloom that make the mistake that they're counting on too many miracles. You know, the, the rule, uh, the there's a rule of thumb in Silicon Valley that you don't want to have... Uh, more than one miracle in your business model. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So 
and, oh, and, and they, they were counting on two miracles, which is, you know, miracle one, that they would figure out the logistics and miracle two, that they could build a brand from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to throw one more thing into the mix about this. One, I loved Bloom That when it came out. I was a user for a little bit um, just to send people like apology flowers around the city if I was late for things. Um, but uh, I looked up FTD companies for us. So you were a big up. customer is what you're saying. Uh, I mean, I, I used it like three times. I just thought it was cool. Okay. You know, I, it's, it's always fun to meet like, a, like an entrepreneur when you're a reporter and then get to kind of use their service later on. So it kind of makes real the conversation you had. And so that's kind of my impetus. I, I went to a, a Y Combinator dinner back at, uh, oh, oh, and help me out. What was the name of that? Um, Homejoy. I went to a Homejoy hosted dinner and I met the guys from Bloom that there. It's a long time ago now. So two anyway, doomed I'm, companies for the price of one. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, oh, that's sad. But yes, that is that is what happened. What I was trying to say before I got sidetracked, sorry, uh, was that FTD, uh, its parent company, isn't having the world's best couple of quarters. Um, and in fact, they shrunk in Q2 of this year compared to Q2 of 2017. So perhaps mm. they're trying to shutter distractions and focus kind of on their core operations. And I presume an operation like Bloom that would be at least some executive function uh, cost, or it would cost some of that. So maybe it makes sense from a kind of a broader corporate perspective to focus on things that are a bit more um, gross margin positive. So this was a, might have been a corporate mandate to cut back. So they, they bought this thing, realized it took more investment than they really had the stomach for, and now they're um, temporarily yeah. shuttering it. They said it, they are pausing service. Well, so let's see if it comes <laughs> back. I mean, I, th- I just think that, it is unlikely to um, mount a comeback um, unless they put a lot of marketing behind it because, you know, what you do when you shut something like this even temporarily is you destroy the brand equity you have with the, the customers already in place. And that makes it that much harder to spread things, you know, through positive word of mouth. So, um, but... Again, I, I think Alex may be right. It may have just been a corporate mandate and they may not have had much choice about it. Who do we have next? So our last startup of the week is, you've probably all heard of this, Postmates. I thought it was pronounced Postmates. Have I been saying it wrong this whole time? You've been saying it wrong on purpose this whole time, but the, that's okay. We can move along. This is, this is why the delivery people are so confused when they show up at my door. Yes, when he says, are you from Postmates? <laughs> They're confused. Well, I'm trying to make it a thing. Um, well, so what happened to Postmates? So Postmates um, raised $300 million in another round of funding um, led by Tiger Global Capital. And Tiger is one of those outfits that you see investing in a lot of kind of late stage startups, kind of beefing up their funding with big, big chunks of money. They don't play, you know, they don't play in that early, early round like, uh, you know, like most Silicon Valley venture capital firms. Yeah. And so Postmates has been, you know, expanding. They recently launched a a subscription service where you can pay a monthly fee to have, you know, free delivery, uh, unlimited free delivery over the course of the month. That is dangerous. Dangerous. I'm curious to see how that plays out. It reminded me a little bit about. I like, mean, it's great for Postmates. It's dangerous <laughs> for you customers because you're going to sign up for it and get addicted to Postmates. Uh huh. It reminded me a little bit of like you know um, Amazon Amazon's Prime Pantry kind of subscription service where you can get unlimited deliveries, but um, faster because here you know Prime Pantry, although it is fast, you know with Postmates it's someone's bringing it to you that same day within hours. So. Well, that said, Amazon does have a directly competitive restaurant delivery service, and mm-hmm. there's DoorDash, and there's Grubhub, and, and, and there there are well, so and Uber many. Eats. Uber Eats. Critically. Yeah. I mean, but 
Here's what's fascinating about this round. If you go back in time to September of 2016, uh, Postmates announced a $140 million, I think it was a Series D, somewhere, somewhere around there. And they said how hard it was to raise that round because that was right when the kind of the bloom had come off these delivery startups. People were worried about unit economics and, and growth and competition. And so they had to raise for a long period of time to put together that, that large round. And here they are raising an even larger round from a kind of a high tier investor. So my my question is, did they kind of prove out a lot of the stuff that was more in doubt two years ago? And if so, you know, more power to them because they're going up against Uber. And at least in, you know, in the Silicon Valley world, that is one of the biggest uh, competitors you can possibly go up against. So I'm very impressed by this capital infusion. It speaks, I think, well uh, for the company's progress since that 2016 round. I'm, I'm I'm happy with it. Well, I, you know, I think Postmates is very focused on just delivery, um, whereas Uber Eats. Part of the idea of Uber Eats is that Uber has this, you know, has these relationships with drivers, and drivers, when they're not shuttling around passengers, can shuttle around food. But the Uber Eats model tends to be um, like curbside delivery. You have to run down and get it. Postmates is much more about get it to your door. They use cars, they use bikes, they even have walking couriers downtown because especially uh, in a week like this, it's, uh, you know... Uh, you don't right want to be driving. <laughs> right. Right now it's Dreamforce. Uh, the, uh, the transit center in San Francisco is closed. So those walking couriers uh, can make deliveries very effectively, especially to downtown offices, whereas Uber Eats drivers are stuck in traffic and can't do anything. Um, so I think they might. I think they just have a superior delivery model to Uber Eats. But I worry about DoorDash, which really feels like almost a clone of Postmates. Mm-hmm. And DoorDash has raised a lot of money. Um, Alex, have you looked into how much that total is? Maybe you can come back to us in a no, bit with I, I'm that number as we speak. So, Owen, oh, yes, I can tell you. In fact, here we go. Uh, most recently, in August of 2018, DoorDash raised another quarter million dollars. But what really matters more is in March of this year. They raised, I'm sorry, this is really funny, $535 million in a round led by the Vision Fund of SoftBank. So um, that's an enormous amount of capital that went to DoorDash. And then Postmates added another $300 million. So if I do my sums correctly, that's more than a billion dollars across three rounds to the combined Postmates DoorDash sector. Two, that's a, that's two a San Francisco delivery companies. Yes, um, two, well, SF-based for sure. Yeah, and um, you know, and then you have uh, Grubhub of Chicago, um, which is um, you know, Grubhub is more of an order trafficker. You know, they send uh, they send restaurants orders, and more typically, as I understand it, the restaurants then handle the delivery themselves. Though, I think that um, that model may be, may be shifting to a bit more of the Postmates, DoorDash um, style model of you know handling all the delivery. But there's a ton of money here. Now, the biggest irony I find in talking about the the uh, food delivery space, though, is you know who's the, the biggest player of all? Who? Domino's. Really? Pizza is the biggest category in, uh, oh, I believe in food that. delivery. I believe that, yeah. And it's bigger than any of these, um, you know, it's bigger than any, any of these kind of restaurant meal delivery startups. So just... Mull that for a second. <laughs> well, I mean, that's true, I think, in every city but San Francisco. I believe burritos would be the most popular delivery item here in the uh, city by the bay. Or at least if it's not, I hope I hope we can change that because SF burritos are good. SF pizza is, you know, it's fine. But <laughs> now, it's not like New York. Now, my question would be, will Postmates use this new money to buy the boring company from Elon Musk? 
and create the long-awaited San Francisco-Brooklyn burrito tunnel? Um, <laughs> if they don't, can we sue? Come on. So the CEO of Postmates, if I recall correctly, is Bastian. Bastian, if you hear this, you heard Owen. Get on it. I think, I think that is a great use of your new $300 million, Basti. So <laughs> burrito tunnel from San Francisco to Brooklyn, it, it's worth it for the branding boost alone. Oh my gosh, they could use one of those hyperloops idea. to send burritos. Hyper, it's a burrito hyperloop. You there heard you it here on Startups of the Week. Funding secured. All right. Funding <laughs> secured. Um, well, now that we've talked about food, I'm getting hungry. So I think we should wrap up for today. Yeah. Where can we get some burritos? Well, let me call Postmates. <laughs> Poor Alex. No burritos for him. It's fine. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Startups of the Week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And crunchbase.news. I'm Sophia Kanthara. I'm Owen Thomas. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week.